You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. Think again with Borderlands Cooperative. Join us for critical conversations about things that matter. Every Friday at 10am on 3CR Community Radio. 855am on your dial. And on 3CR Digital and streaming live at 3cr.org.au. So together, let's think again about important matters affecting us, like economics, politics, education, health, climate, and what we can do about it all. Welcome to our 70th program of Think Again and our 28th remote program in the time of the coronavirus. This program is presented to you by Borderlands Cooperative, an organization that has been dedicated to social change for over 20 years. I'm Jacques Boulet. And I'm Jennifer Burrell. Today we're looking back at a bit at several aspects of the COVID-19 crisis, including the hotel quarantine inquiry, which of course is still to release its findings by early November. Mm. We're also looking at the ways in which some of the government interventions aimed at controlling the outbreak have been implemented. There's a lot to learn from the mistakes made even if overall one can say that the suppression of the second wave in Victoria has been a success story. In fact, Mm. the success of our COVID response is recognised internationally by the World Health Organisation and by comparisons made within the OECD countries, not to mention, of course, comparisons with the UK and the US, but uh, both they do have a rather different story to tell. Mm. So to start our program, over the entire period of the COVID lockdown period in Victoria, from March till today, has been marked by deep political antagonism and a culture in which personal freedoms have been set against restrictions to stop the spread of the virus. And we've we've been seeing a lot of examples of that, I guess, Mm. in the media. Mm -hmm. Yes, public discourses and displays of personal freedom expressed in all its sometimes superficial and rather dreadful facets have grated against all impositions by government or Mm -hmm. any other body. For example, uh, I will never in my life forget the face, uh, the facial expression of the woman in her little little, uh, truck. Uh, staring at the police, wanting to f- ask where, where she was going, mm. and, and many other examples like that. <laughs> the restrictions required by the fight to suppress the pandemic were always going to lead to acts of resistance. And the quality of the political discourse has certainly not improved during the last few decades, nor has trust in government. Yeah, so into that environment enters all the public and media noise along, of course, political party lines. Mm, Yes, the public and openly party political partisan noise created Mm. by the two main media groups, Nine Entertainment, including The Age, Channel Mm -hmm. Nine, the radio stations, and the Murdoch Press with its associated broadcasting channels. They were quite terrible. And what a spectacle it has been and continues to be. Mm-hmm. We have commented on the media's open attacks on the Andrews Labour government in previous programs. 
Yeah, remember the overcooked reporting about the branch stacking in the Labor Party, if we can think back that far now, mm. then the attacks on Victoria government's business involvement with China, and then for the last four months or so, of course, the second COVID-19 wave. Mm. Yeah, truly, the attacks on about every aspect of the Victorian government's sometimes desperate, but in the end, rather successful strategy with COVID have been beyond the pale. Mm. And whilst one really expects this from the Murdoch press, the Australian being the flagship of fake news, the age has been truly astonishingly and blatantly partisan for the duration it really felt as if the journalists and the editors conspired to dig up anything that could be exploited. Lots of articles marked exclusive, of course, mm. with a red little thing around them, mm. and presented as attempts to maintain democracy, accountability, and to find the real culprits in the often admittedly confused and confusing decision-making process. The decision-making process of, of uh, trying to find the culprit. Yeah, that's right. It also provided a platform, of course, for past and present members of the Liberal federal government and the Victorian opposition to raise their voice. And as we will show later, with rather interesting responses from former politicians, especially former Premier Kennett, mm. who greatly contributed to the fault lines in the Victorian health system yeah. you have pointed out before. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So, mm. uh, strangely, uh, the more thoughtful and often more informed contributions in the age have come from the readers through the letters and often they're more insightful and informed mm. and balanced than the actual Absol articles. Mm. Absolutely. Articles offering some balance to that relentless negativity only appeared in the comments section almost daily from readers, as you said, overwhelmingly say, siding with Andrews and the government and from regular and occasional columnists. A strange division of labour, really, to create the semblance of balance, I would say. Yeah, mm. and all of that makes it pretty difficult for us to engage in reason reflections mm. and learn from the good and bad aspects of Victoria's dealings with the pandemic. But... This is what we aim to do in this program, mm. or at and least especially, conversations. Mm. Yeah, and especially we'll look at how the Victorian government was constantly hampered by what we have called the fault lines in our system of governance and the historical reasons for their existence. Yeah, yes, the problems have been there for a long time and long before the pandemic. The pandemic's just revealing them, really, and enhancing right. them. Mm. So back to our theme, what have we learned about the way we're governed or rather misgoverned, not so much focusing on the culprit and mm. certainly not trying to engage in a whodunit tirade. Mm. We'll get right into discussion after some music. Violets issued by Elena Katz-Chernan, performed by Claire Edwardes, and that will be followed by a promo.
You're listening to 3CR Community Radio, Melbourne's voice of dissent. 3CR Community Radio, 855 on the AM dial, streaming live at 3cr.org.au or on 3CR Digital in Melbourne. Hey all you mob, it's Dr Mark Winnetong here. Coronavirus has certainly changed the way we live, work and connect. These changes can be hard for some of us and can make us feel no good in our head or spirit, like sad or worried all the time. Some of us might already be dealing with other things like sickness, trauma, and this can make it really hard for us to feel good about anything at the moment. If you're feeling like this, remember, it's okay to ask for help. Have a yarn to someone you trust, like your family or an Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander health worker. You can also call Beyond Blue, Lifeline or the Kids Helpline to talk to someone or look at some helpful information at headtohealth.gov.au on the internet. A 3CR supporter. You're listening to Think Again, 3CR 855 AM on your dial, 3CR digital and streaming at 3cr.org.au. Today we're looking at what we can learn about the ways in which we are governed and we will learn that from the COVID-19 hotel quarantine inquiry and other aspects of the battle against the virus. As most listeners would be aware, the Hotel Quarantine Inquiry was set up to examine what went wrong with the hotel quarantine program after the virus was spread to communities through untrained and ill-prepared security guards. Private security companies had been engaged to oversee the guarding of the hotels where arrivals from overseas were to stay for 14 days rather than opting for police and defence personnel to do the job, for Mm. example. Yeah, well, what most people seem to be agree on is that the that engaging guards from private security companies for the hotel quarantine program was a bad idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Certainly, this was reinforced by the reporting in the newspapers, as we mentioned before. Of course, whether the outbreaks could also have happened with police or the army guarding the hotels is a moot point mm-hmm. at this at this moment. Mm-hmm. That's but right. it actually could have been raised, couldn't it? But you rarely, rarely heard that being discussed. Mm -hmm. Importantly, no one of the leading group of decision makers assembled rather haphazardly has taken responsibility for making the decisions to use private security personnel. And no one can pinpoint (laughs) a moment where that actually was decided. So perhaps it's not surprising surprising that no one wants to hold this hot potato whether they know or not I don't know but no one wants to have responsibility for that Um, as engaging private companies and untrained security personnel to guard the hotels certainly played a big role in Victoria's second wave of COVID-19 along with the need to return to lockdown and the loss of life especially in also privately run aged care institutions and agencies. So, Yeah, it certainly has been a disaster. Sadly, a lot of people have died as a result, many aged persons on their own without the presence of family or loved ones. A lot of people have lost jobs and are feeling lonely and isolated, and businesses are struggling. At the same time, the good news is that the coronavirus now seems to be getting under control in Victoria, and we're hoping to come out of lockdown soon. Not that you would have read any of this positive stuff in the local newspapers. Hmm. 
And especially, especially not, not on the front pages <laughs> or in the headlines. That's right. What we really want to talk about is what does this tell us about the way we're being governed, not just by the Victorian government, but seemingly by all Australian state and federal governments alike. In past programs, we have looked at the problems of privatization and of outsourcing of functions of government and the self-defeating siloing of areas of government mm -hmm. that are really related, like health, environment, economy. We are interested in examining how this siloing then undermines, if not renders impossible, the whole of government responses needed in an emergency. The Victorian government certainly tried to spread responsibility, but it ended up without anyone being responsible or seemingly so. Mm. And we've also, Jacques, talked about the top-down mm -hmm. command and control approach to management, which is mm -hmm. not just mm -hmm. popular, but almost completely spread across all management these days. Mm -hmm. So we've mm -hmm. talked about that in our program on managerialism, which was a while back now. And we've talked about the need for a holistic approach to all the problems facing us as human beings on planet Earth. A holistic approach that's well thought through and put into practice. <laughs> mm -hmm. We'll have a break now with a promo. And after that, we look at the lessons we can learn from the hotel quarantine inquiry and many other things. Tune in to Uprise Radio every first and third Wednesday of the month at 5.30pm on 3CR. With Jackson and James, we're bringing you the in-depth analysis of what's happening in the world all in just 30 minutes. You can listen live to air or you can find us on demand. 3cr.org.au. Stay tuned. You're listening to Think Again, 3CR 855am on your dial. 3CR Digital and Streaming at 3cr.org.au. We're looking at the lessons from the COVID-19 hotel quarantine inquiry and more generally at the response of the government to the pandemic. What can we learn about the way in which we are governed from, these, uh, from the past several months, really? Mm. Firstly, we have the folly of privatization of the things that our, our that our governments really are responsible for. This has been fashionable since the Kenneth Liberal government in Victoria in the 1990s. <clears throat> That's right. Mid-90s it was actually. As explained so well by Kristen Rundle and Ross Gittens in The Age, by Michael Pascoe in The New Daily, Greg Jericho and several others in The Guardian, Outsourcing of the provision of public service to for-profit businesses is a form of privatization. Mm. It has become so normal that Ross Gittens isn't surprised, really, that no one in particular made the decision to outsource the running of hotel quarantine to mm. private contractors. Mm. But as he also explains, Ross Gittens, that is, quote, it's always about saving money in the fond hope any loss of quality won't be noticed. Mm. Without, sour unquote, yeah. Without sourcing, you 
you can get rid of staff and all these pesky good working conditions. Mm. You can also sidestep successful unions and champion lower taxes. Yes. It is worth quoting Ross Giddens again. Quote, they've given us government on the cheap because they believed we prefer a tax cut to decent service. They could have striven to give us better government, but they settled for cheaper government. They spent decades cutting corners in a hundred ways, hoping we wouldn't notice mm. or do no more than grumble about it. The slow decline in quality. Uh, now the pandemic has caught them out. Pity so many lives were lost in getting the message through, unquote. Mm. Mm, that's right. All the chickens have come home to roost. Mm, exactly. So secondly, our second point really is, with outsourcing of public services, responsibility is dissipated, and we've certainly seen that. No one is responsible. From a departmental and ministerial point of view, it merely becomes an administrative issue, mm, mm-hmm. not an important one of governance or best delivery of public services no. or, or just keeping us safe. Yeah, we've certainly mm. seen this with the COVID-19 hotel quarantine inquiry with no one apparently responsible for deciding to engage security guards at the hotel with the subsequent spread of the virus. Mm. And even more dramatically, we've seen what outsourcing aged care has led to. While it's appropriate to look for the operational cause of the spread of the virus into the aged care homes, you know, via people... Mm-hmm. carrying the virus, yeah, yeah. it's even mm. more appropriate to investigate how these homes were left so utterly vulnerable for the virus to nest and rapidly spread, so rapidly, also infecting staff as well as residents, of course. Mm. So there's additional confusion between the levels of government because the federal government oversees aged care. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And most importantly, the fact that many privatised aged care agencies are for profit or need to save money for other reasons, whatever. And mm-hmm. we're still waiting for any meaningful response from the federal government. As Sarah Russell poignantly summarised in Wednesday's Age under the title Aged Care Tragedy Years in the Making, which that title is exactly mm-hmm. making the point that we're making, mm-hmm. I think, Shark. Mm-hmm, it is, it is. Thirdly, with the managerial approach to government, we have lost expertise in management of the areas that are being managed. Mm. For example, once upon a time, managers in areas of health would have been expected to have expertise in healthcare or in public health, but not now. Jan Carter explained this also in Wednesday's Age under the title ideological tide swamped the state. Jan Carter worked under the Kennett regime and she remembers, quote, according to the gurus of the new public management movement, government's new role in service delivery was to steer and not to row. Mm. Contracting out went, went with another less well-known powerful strategy, the elevation of the content-free manager. Mm, I love that phrase, content-free manager. (laughs) Yeah, the trend has been that over the years, specialist managers have been replaced by generalists, unquote. 
And with the logic of managerialism, it is assumed that anyone with a qualification in business administration can apply the same management logic to any area or body that they oversee. This has been identified as a particular problem with the Victorian Department of Health and Human Services. That is, it lacks healthcare expertise in its management ranks. Mm -hmm. This is the department that we have been expecting to manage the coronavirus pandemic. Mm -hmm. And making all the important Mm. decisions for that. That's right. Based on what? I'm not sure. Mm. So, fourthly... We need to redirect what health funding there is back to preventive public health rather than the siphoning of this into hospital-based medicalised approach. And we've talked about that in previous Mm -hmm. programs. Mm -hmm. So um, in other words, let's support and work with healthy communities rather than putting most of our health funding into ambulances at the bottom of the cliff. Just yesterday, I heard uh, mental health professionals on Radio National lamenting the federal budget as a lost opportunity, and they were talking about the need to invest in the mental health of whole communities, especially for the mental health of young people. Mm. Mm, Exactly. And our fifth and last point is that government departments have a complicated and piecemeal bureaucratic bureaucratic structure. And that has been part of the problem of managing the pandemic in Victoria. We really need to revisit the structure of government bureaucracies so that they can address the very serious challenges facing us in a holistic way. Simultaneously and coherently addressing health, environmental and economic issues, for example. While those we elect need to be truly accountable to the people they are meant to serve. Mm, no, that would be radical, shark. Yeah, but also those who are privately employed and have private employers who make money out of the service they own or are paid to deliver mm. them, they are equally to be held accountable for the proper carriage of the services they are paid to execute. Yeah. Or better still, Shark, let's stop outsourcing mm, yep. and privatising essential public services. Absolutely. And, and mm. let's, let's better use our taxes for the public good. Mm-hmm. and require the most wealthy to pay their way, to pay their share through taxes. Yeah, talking about which, we will look closer at what's happening with taxes and public spending in our next program, particularly after the rather sour lessons from the budget being presented yesterday, yeah, I think, or the day right. before. Yeah. Just on uh, some other news now to conclude our program The new community is out with lots of stories about communities and what they have tried to deal with the fallout fallout of the pandemic in Australia and worldwide, really. Some really good uh, examples of how communities can actually uh, try to contribute to the better, to a healthy life. Mm. And that's in the new community. It's out now, Jacques. Yeah, it is out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And also remember, next week is Anti-Poverty Week, starting from the 11th of October. This year, the the organisers are campaigning for affordable housing for all as amongst the best solutions to reducing Mm -hmm. poverty, which isn't surprising given uh, how unaffordable housing is and 
becoming more so for a lot of people of newly mm. unemployed and trying to survive on meagre Centrelink benefits, <laughs> um, which, which is the other point. The mm. Anti-Poverty Week organisers are also campaigning to keep Centrelink payments above poverty levels mm-hmm. on right. a permanent basis because even the COVID supplement has been reduced, which some Centrelink recipients are getting, like JobSeeker, that's scheduled to finish at the end of December and we don't know what's happening after that. That's so, right. But we can't go back to the previous level of about 580 a fortnight, like 280 mm-hmm. a week. For most people living in Melbourne, it doesn't even cover their rent. So, That's right. So if okay. you want more information about the Anti-Poverty Week campaign and want to know how you can support it, either in... Um, in any way you ca- you're able to, just put Anti-Poverty Week into your search engine. Thanks for listening to Think Again on 3CR Community Radio. Remember, if you want to send us a message or ask about anything from today's program, you can email Borderlands at borders at borderlands.org.au. Just put Think Again in the subject line. Our programs are available by podcast and 3CR website at 3cr.org.au. We would also like to thank Clive Bourne for pulling this program together while we connected remotely and also the other 3CR staff who were doing this for us since lockdown in March there recently, particularly Leanne McLean and Michaela Stubbs. Meanwhile, stay tuned for Jailbreak, which gives a voice to prison inmates, their families and their friends. To bring us into this program, please enjoy World Turning by Yothu Yindi. <laughs> 